Why can't governments do things? Well, that's the question that I asked this week's guest on Cargo Bricks, Ed Straw, who's author of a new book called The Hidden Power of Systems Thinking, which offers a very different way of looking at the many problems besetting democratic governments the world over. And of course, in Northern Ireland, we're not short of a wicked problem or two ourselves. The, the very simple answer is that the system that they operate that in the system of governing all the bits and pieces of political parties, elections, uh, congresses, assemblies, institutions, and all the rest of it. It's, it just doesn't work. Um, it has worked in a simpler world, but today the world is very complex. And so if you did as I did for quite a long time, operating within and around government and see it work. Um, you, you go to these tables and there's all sorts of august people there um, listening to all sorts of analysis and evidence and views, um, uh, representatives, MPs, uh, lords, officials, all the rest of it. And, and you, you come up with this stuff. But then you find in practice the decay from there through to actually something beneficial happening on the ground is is just huge. Um, so so the, the chances of these talking shops at tables actually having impact, well, well they don't. And and there, I mean there there are all sorts of reasons as to why that is. Um, number one is that they, they're still hooked on this, what I call, apologies for the jargon, a very systematic approach to a problem. So, I mean, you know, to take something straightforward, we've got road congestion, answer, build more roads. Then the roads fill up, understandably, people can get about easier, you can go to a, a job further away, you can go on holidays, so on and so forth. So, oh, what should we do? Build more roads. Well, if you looked at that systemically, again, to use the jargon, you'd say, well, uh, OK, uh, we've got congestion. Are there other ways of moving people and goods? You know, there's trains and there's uh, walking and there's bicycles and so on and so forth. Um, then you might say, oh, well, that's interesting. But do these goods and people actually need to move? Are there other ways of doing this? Hey, presto, uh, the pandemic has taught us, as it's teaching us now, that I don't need to come to Stroud and Gary doesn't need to take a plane from Belfast in order to do this. So we found other ways of moving. Then you might say, well, actually, you know, do we really need to move that number of goods? What about more local production? So suddenly you widen the boundaries, you widen the frameworks. Now, Governments don't do this. They'll, they'll just take something very simple. They'll focus on it. Uh, they'll set targets. The targets drive bad behavior. Uh, the, the, you get performance measures. People gain the performance measures. The whole thing becomes a fix. The, the point at which I realized performance measures were, uh, uh, basically didn't work. So I happened to be having lunch at the Old Bailey with all of the judges who were trying all sorts of horrendous courses, uh, cases, sorry, we were having courses for dinner, uh, for lunch. And um, they're all in their robes. 
And, and you know, these are the top judiciary. And I was chatting to one of them over uh, soup uh, with sherry in it. And uh, he said, uh, well, you know, we've got these performance measures and this is how we game them. Well, these are the people whose job it is, you know, to absolutely uphold evidence and process and all the rest of it, saying we game the performance measures. I'm digressing slightly. So, so they try and do these things systematically. And, and, and of course, some things you can. I mean, if you want to uh, issue a driving license, it's a fairly straightforward process. If you want to solve climate change, this is not a straightforward process. If you want a decent health service, a decent school service, a decent welfare service, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you want to sort the economic recovery, these are not uh, simple problems. So you try to use, and the analogy I use is the systematic you use for solids, whereas the systemic you use for fluids. And if you try and use the systematic to pick up a fluid, well, it will just slip through your fingers. I think that's a brilliant metaphor. Uh, and it does feel like half the time that everything that we try to do just seems like it does run away between yeah. the fingers. Mm-hmm. Now, you said something earlier on that didn't quite pick up what the word was, but I thought either word that I heard in my head would would, would fit. You said there's a delay or a decay And it does seem to me that there is often between the purpose of a political action within government um, and it actually hitting the people, there is possibly a degree of both. Clearly, it takes a a time because lawmaking Mm. and Mm. process of policymaking involves a a delay, but also a decay in the original purpose. I wonder if you could say a little bit about a, a, a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the sort of flash to bang time, you know, so so we get the flash um, and uh, it's uh, terrific and it's glitzy and it's announced and it's initiatives and so on. And, and then the bang, uh, well, often the bang never happens uh, or if the, the bang does happen, it happens so far, uh, so, 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 so far in the distance that actually the politicians have forgotten all about it. So, here we go. Uh, let's have a law. You know, they, they get terribly excited about passing laws uh, and then they shove them out the door. You, you um, appreciate the, the House of Lords and they go off and have a cup of tea and they're terribly pleased with themselves. Well, what is a law? A law is words on a piece of paper. Yeah, For all the use and value of it, you might as well rip it up, screw it in a ball and toss it on the fire. It, it only becomes useful when it's put into practice. The problem there is that there is no feedback, systematic, that there is some feedback, but in general, there is no feedback on everything that a government does. Every law, regulation, statute, policy, program, <laughs> project, governmental organisation. You get a few statistics, but by and large, none. So there's nothing, there's no discipline on government to say, okay, you've done things, have they worked? By the way, if they haven't worked, this law may be very well-intentioned, but if they haven't worked, scrap it and go and find a way of doing it. By the way, uh, the cost 
that is accumulated and the degree of complexity in government operations and in our own lives that is accumulated through that amalgamation of all of those um, various laws and all the rest of it is just enormous. So it becomes more and more of a dead weight. Um, so it's, it's governments just, I mean, it's very simple, but they're just not set up to do things. And that, that explains, I suppose, the, dec- the decay aspect of it. Uh, when he died, a um, very senior senator in America, Irish-American, da- Daniel Moynihan, it was, all, it was said at that time that he caused great annoyance to many of his fellow Democrats because he was never content with the, with the law going out the door. He wanted to see whether it worked or not, and he insisted on coming back. Once they ticked the sheet going, tick, We've done that. We've made that law. He'd come back and say, actually, this law isn't working the way we meant it to. We need to get it back on the table and redraft it. So that comes to another question. How, what is it, you know, you say feedback. There's no feedback. But, of course, often there is a feedback. It's very friendly feedback. It says, yeah, we've done this. It's brilliant. We've worked on it. Yeah. It's the independence of the feedback, I think you're yeah. saying that's yeah. really critical here why yeah. you you get all these self-scoring politicians it's a bit like uh you've got a football match you know at the end of the football match the the the, the, the football manager announces who's won oh i'm alex ferguson uh we were you know united won two one oh i'm arsene wenger no arsenal won two one and 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 that is the level of feedback that we get, rhetorically massage statistics, you know, come up with some spurious argument, blog it all over the place, and, oh, we've proved that we've won. So, as you say, that, that feedback, and, and this does happen with a bit with an Office of National Statistics, but a tiny proportion of what's needed, but the feedback has to be independent. And therefore, in the Constitution, I'm sorry to introduce that word, but it's absolutely vital and central if you want government to work. In the Constitution, you have the three branches. You have the legislature, the executive and the judiciary. That's fine. But we need uh, the feedback branch, that branch whose responsibility it is to assess and analyse and understand the extent to which all of this government stuff uh, does or doesn't work. It always seems to me that when that discussion gets transposed onto Northern Ireland or Irish politics, um, it stops at the idea of separatism. But of course, our situation is much more complex than either of the two major actors like to consider. And that is that within republicanism, they think it's simply enough to break away from the United Kingdom not recognising that the vast majority of Nor- uh, Northern Irish people either aren't interested enough in that separatism to kind of create the disruption that it will inevitably take, uh, but also they don't seem to understand that trying to unify two places that are already separate is going against the grain of the very dynamics that you've just described. So if in complex systems or complex societies we're all pulling apart into smaller, more atomized units... What is the motivation for um, bringing two places that have been separate for nearly 100 years uh, back together again? And more topically, the Taoiseach, um, the very afternoon that we've been recording this, um, has said that 
his shared island unit really needs to start out with the searching for consensus rather than a series of programmatic actions that he's already got in mind. Uh, and this relates a little bit to what Richard Wilson was saying a few weeks ago in that, um, um, you know, politicians need to become better listeners, um, not just talkers, that we need to move away from Victorian ideas of how democracy actually works because it's yeah. being outrun very quickly by a connected electorate losing its patience with politicians who don't know how to listen. Mm. I mean, there's lots of very interesting points in all of that. I mean, I mean, first of all, you take the process. So the process is, you know, political parties uh, stand up and they offer policies and then they get into, uh, well, one of them gets into government and they seek to put their policies into practice or some of them and through the process that I described earlier on, you know, they don't happen. Uh, because essentially the system is uh, faulty. It doesn't work. Um, and so people get uh, quite disillusioned about that whole process. Um, the thing then is to say, well, you know, is there another way of doing this? Uh, because, you know, that, this idea that we, we sort of offer shopping baskets to the public um, is actually pretty absurd, and and we know it doesn't work terribly well. So, what's a different process? Well, a, a different process is to engage people in a conversation. And a crucial thing, and Richard would say this as well, a crucial thing about deliberation is you never start with solutions. You always start with the problem. Indeed, you start with: is there a problem? Now, if, if, if you take uh, the, the Irish situation, I'd, I'd like to use Wales as an example, which is where I am now. And I've got uh, quite interested in uh, Welsh independence. And uh, someone was saying to me, yeah, but, you know, what, what are we going to do? Are we just going to have the same government? Are we going to have the same system? Are we, get, are we just going to, you know, it's okay, it's us sort of sorting it out. And I said, well, no, you know, what, what you need to do is to consider how Wales could, could construct a system of governing, which is so vastly better, which offers so much more than what uh, we have got and, and indeed what the whole of Britain has got, that, that, that there is a real um, uh, purpose to this. It, it's not just independence. And I think the same applies with the conversations in Ireland. You know, what is it that we could do? How could we do things differently? What difference would it make that says, yes, it is us worth, uh, it is worth us, I don't know, unifying, working more closely together. However, um, don't do what Scotland did. So, you know, de decentralisation, devolving and all the rest of it, brilliant. And now we've got it all in Edinburgh, brilliant. What about the next level down? Because actually, decentralisation doesn't stop at an entity, uh, in this case, called Scotland. Decentralisation is about getting decisions and, and actions down as far as you can. And in terms of in which the Swiss constitution puts it, the federation only does things which can't be done locally. 
So the, the, the conversation is terribly important. It, the other point I want to chuck in here with particular relevance to Ireland is that the, the Welsh independence people here are, are particularly keen to say this is not an anti-English programme. This is not what it's about. This is about us as a group of people with uh, some common identity sorting ourselves out. And, of course, you'll find exactly the same thing in Yorkshire, where there's a group of people there saying, can we sort this out? So to see these things in, in you know, nationalism versus Republican terms, well, to, to use that phrase, you know, if I was trying to get there to a better place, well, I wouldn't be starting from here. <laughs> That's certainly something that a lot of Irish people will uh, certainly warm to. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that is a that's often ascribed to the Irish, whether it's true or not. It is, um, but I do think it's a fantastic phrase. I mean, I think it should be u- universal, you know, particularly in government. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, and there is this. That, I mean, one of the questions raised at the Taoiseachs, um I mean, he gave a speech, and then he brought in a number of speakers. One of whom is Sarah Creighton, who. Um, writes for us on Slugger. And she yeah. rightly, I think, articulated something that many unionists feel, which is why should we be even interested in having a conversation with a sovereign state that we have no uh, constitutional, you know, we don't have any ambition for us to get together. In fact, actually, for unionists, um, what's much more important to them, because London is still very much their cent- political centre of gravity, mm. So what what is what's the benefit in having a conversation um, with Republicans, particularly when the polarizing end of this, which mm. is what you say we shouldn't do, which is don't go to the end and decide where you're going to go, stand mm. at the beginning and decide. Well, it, is there something here that we can work on together? Yeah. You know, why have a white paper on uh, unification when you haven't got a clue about? what any of that might actually mean in the long term uh, and or, or whether in the long term it's actually a suitable solution to the shared problems uh, yeah. of, of one single island. And this, this is probably the point at which to chuck in uh, the word du- dualism. So a, a, a dualism. You better you unpack know. that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 to a self-negating pair. You know, we must either decentralize or uh, centralize. We must either unify or de-unify. And it was the same thing with the Brexit vote. You were in or we're out. Well, actually, no, lads. What is happening is we're renegotiating our relationship with Europe, as, as indeed we're now finding. And there are various shades between those relations. Now, uh, the north and the south of Ireland have relations and connections uh, and, and, and interplays and, and networks and so on at present. Would it be a good thing uh, for people in general and for, for the two uh, countries in general to renegotiate the nature of that relationship? Uh, let's have a chat about that. Let's have a think about that. Now, where might benefits come from? So rather than putting in these black and white terms, Put it in those terms. And and then I think that's a conversation uh, that has got potential. 
Yeah, and it, it seems to me that when you talked about, when you commented on the little business of citizens' assemblies, that you should start with the idea of, well, do we have a do we have a problem in the first place? You know, yeah. that it needs to be almost. We're not used to this open thinking. Mm. We're no. mo- mostly used to going. Well, here's a closed solution for you know. You vote for this, or you vote, as you said, the dualism. It's either or, not. And not I mean, and. This, this isn't you know this you know why do, why don't systems why don't governments work? Well, you know, this is yet another reason why they work don't work because the world is littered with complex problems. With yeah. complex problems, uh, I mean, take climate change. The, the answer, the solution, what we need to do, what is going to work, is uh, not clear. Indeed, it may well be unknown. And this is the point at which uh, the notion of experimentation, uh, of trialing things, of seeing in practice, you know, I may have a brilliant idea, you may have a brilliant idea, Gary may have a brilliant idea, great. Now, let's see how they actually play out in practice, because I've seen so many brilliant ideas that I've come up with in the bath, you know, actually put into practice for all sorts of good and bad reasons don't work. And, And I think... Uh, if we uh, touch on the way in which the uh, abortion referendum was uh, held and and the very open way in which that was, again, to use the word, deliberated and talked about, the way in which uh, the Citizens' Assembly was established, properly established with a, with a proper a demographic of truly representative uh, uh, people, uh, and 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 not trying to shut up, you know, the one homeless person in the room because we're all terribly middle class, and so we're not going to listen to him or her. But it but it was done properly. It had evidence. Uh, it had opinions. Uh, it it had people trying to persuade, um, and uh, this terribly divisive. Uh, and contentious issue was taken out of the political system, and this is terribly important, out of the political system and handled in a very different way by what I would call the citizen branch. Uh, and, and just sticking to this notion of representative democracy, that, that we give people uh, a card, we give them the, 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 the keys to the car for four years and, and then off they go and they do whatever they want and then they come back and we say, oh, we didn't terribly like your driving or where you went to or whatever, so we're going to have another lot. I mean, yeah. for goodness sake. Little pushback on that, Ed, right? There's two questions come up. One, you use the term solid and fluid, right? If a problem is solid or fluid, now, I, I, I would I would question just how fluid the abortion question is, or indeed the marriage equality question, which is the one that the the previous um, um, one of the victories, if you like, of the citizens branch, as you called it, mm-hmm. so, because those are quite tightly defined. They wouldn't be what I would call wicked problems. Okay, oh. so maybe they're more solid than fluid. So that's 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 number one and two. There is a certain degree of resentment among social uh, conservatives that this was a liberal elite working around their traditional resistance to it. Um, so how, how would you answer either or both of those those sort of pushbacks? Well, in relation to 
the abortion question, in some respects, I mean, it is a very simple question. But, but to come to an answer took, if you like, a, a holistic, a looking it in the round, uh, bringing in every possible dimension and pro and con to that debate so that then uh, uh, actually a systemic, a systematic, sorry, a solid law because at the end of the day, it's about, you know, are we going to do it in how many weeks? Then a solid law could go forward. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely fine. But if you, if you then said, well, OK, uh, how are we going to deal with uh, a balanced and fair? How are we going to produce a balanced and fair welfare system? Yeah, that that that's a much broader issue. And a citizens' assembly, I think, could get you so far, but then we would have to experiment. Uh, so there are all sorts of people. You know, there are some people at one extreme in a welfare system who are simply never going to be able to support themselves for mental or physical reasons, and uh, you know that, that. So so that's the way we we need to deal with that. I've recently recommended to you privately uh, this great book called Greed is Dead by yeah. Paul Collier and John Kay, two Oxford Dons. But John Kay's work, I've read John before, and he comes up with this idea called disciplined pluralism, he calls it. Yeah. In other words, that when you experiment and why the market is such an efficient um, uh, uh, innovation machine when it's working properly, I think we can both agree it's not working terribly efficiently at the moment for all kinds of externalities. But um, what he talks about is that government really doesn't like disciplined pluralism, which is you don't just try one thing. You try lots and lots of different things at the same time. You look at the results and you decide which is the more fit. So in other words, you don't try a comprehensive solution. You try things on a small scale. Pick the ones that work and kill off the ones that don't. And this is something that elected politicians have a problem with. And it also fits in with another um, uh, statement from you earlier on when a friend apparently asked you, what's the answer to the question that politicians don't like this kind of systems thinking? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, for a kickoff, the politicians are stuck in a process, in a system, and and. By and large, when you're in a system, you don't realise what it's doing to you. You actually think, you know, you 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 have some power and some agency. Uh, so, you know, what do they do? Well, what they do, as I was saying earlier on, they offer policies to the electorate. The electorate says, yes, I'll have that. And then we have these manifestos and then uh, the politicians get in and they say, oh, yes, in our manifesto, we, you're, uh, so we're going to do this. Um, then you bump into the end state fallacy. The end state fallacy is just what uh, Kay and uh, his co-author are talking about, that that actually this notion that you can policyize an end state into existence is by and large fallacious. So, I mean, the housing after the war, all over the world, put up these big housing projects 
Uh, and hey presto, what did we do? We created um, this new outlaw class. We created ghettos. We created social immobility. We created awful places to live. Sensible places then tore them all down. Some of these places are still in existence and still doing all of those things. Now, what we should have done is exactly what you said, which is to say, okay, uh, we, we want new housing. Let's have a talk to the people that are going to live in it uh, and involve them in the design of it. Then let's set up a small uh, uh, housing development here and one there and one there and see how they work. They may well work differently and better in different circumstances. So, so but, but politicians feel this pressure. We've got to do something. I mean, the number of times I've heard them, you know, yes, you know, that something has gone wrong. Something must be done. We'll have a law, you know, and that's it. This is, I mean, again, a completely nutty way of doing stuff. But it, 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 but it doesn't just require the politicians to stop doing this. It, it requires us to think, stop thinking that governments can solve everything. The, the answer to, to yeah, the, my friend's challenge, like, you know, so, so why don't all these politicians do systems thinking? Because, I mean, it does work. I mean, it, it's, you know, very well established around the world, although in, uh, quietly, um, is twofold. One is typically your average politician is driven by personal power, which is not to criticise them. I mean, that is just how it is you know so, and, and the higher you go in these uh in governments political parties by and large the, the greater the need for personal power so the notion uh that actually you know rather than getting into the the the, the, the t-shock's office or the prime minister's office and and actually you're not going to start pulling levers and telling people what to do is contrary to their psychology the other point, though, and this is, I think, the absolute crucial one, is, is this broader systemic uh, thinking about our thinking way of doing things is actually the competitor to politics. So, you know, if you take something like a health service or a school service, how much politics do you need to in there to, to get it working? Well, the only thing you need to decide politically is whether you're going to have a school service and whether it's going to be universal, and uh, how much money you're going to put into it. After that, it's a how, uh, and the how is all about systems thinking. So, so you then have to reconstruct, redesign the system of governing uh, so that it allows all of that space for so many of these complex and wicked problems to be dealt with without politics anywhere near. Cargo of Bricks is brought to you by The Reset Project in partnership with Ulster Bank, bringing you innovative ideas to help aid Northern Ireland's economic recovery. Make sure you catch every edition by hitting the subscribe button wherever you get your quality podcasts.